Just a few thoughts tonight from uh, Matthew chapter 4. Begin reading at verse number 18. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightforth left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James the son of Zebedee, John his brother, in a ship with Zebedee their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. The question I'd like to ask this evening, and it might be redundant for this crowd, but who are we following? Who is it indeed that we are following? These days, somebody is following somebody. And these days, everybody is following somebody. I don't mean to be political tonight by saying what I'm about to say, but it shocks me to no end to see some of the, how our country is following certain people that I don't know why they're following. I'll just leave it at that. It just blows my mind that, that we are where we are in our nation and to know how we're following people, not because of what they believe as much as who they are. And I don't think you can separate who you are from what you do. They go together. But with that being said, it seems that we're fascinated with the lives of other people. Celebrities tonight, if you will, uh, only have to have one name. People like Oprah, people like Beyonce, uh, uh, Kanye, The Rock, uh, Jay-Z, Ellen, uh, Danzel, all these people. You know, you've heard their names, whether you're Christian or not. You know who these people are. And yet they have a tremendous following. And they don't want to be following many of them. They, they like their privacy. They like, they like to be a shelter from time to time. And yet they have millions, if not millions, of followers today. We have all heard of the Kardashians. There's a lot of people who are famous today just for being famous. I don't know what in the world they've done to be famous, but the Kardashians are household words uh, in many homes today. Tyler Perry, Kerry uh, uh, Washington, uh, Taylor Swift, John Legend, the, the smooth singer, if you will, uh, Barack and Michelle Obama, all of these people, wherever they go, the Bushes, whomever, wherever they go, there's always somebody, the paparazzi following them because they want to see what they're doing. They want to see what they're wearing. They want to see what kind of style they're having at sporting. They want to be able to see something of their life. Can we emulate what they are doing? So all of these stars, you take the same thing when it comes down even to popular athletes like Steve Carey or people like LeBron James or J.J. Uh, Watts or Tom Brady, uh, any of these people, uh, you see that the paparazzi are always out there trying to zone in. And these people want to go into obscurity. They would love to go to a restaurant just with their wife and their children and not be bombarded for autographs or, oh, I know you or, oh, I've seen you. These people are trying to hide. But here's my point. Everybody today seems to be following somebody. It's funny, though, these people are very popular and not on one of them can save your soul. These people are extremely popular, but not on one of them can give you reason to live. These people are extremely popular, but not on one of them would give you a plug nickel if you were in trouble. And yet today, uh, we, we realize that there's only one worth following, and his name is Jesus. I know you don't worry with this, but many people labor over the pages of popular magazines, Facebook, Twitter, and other social media accounts just to find out what the stars are wearing, where they're going, what they're doing, what they're eating, et cetera, et cetera. They want to know what to buy. They want to know what their children are, where do they live, what kind of cars do they drive, et cetera, et cetera. 
And these people have no private lives whatsoever. But yet, let me tell you something, friend. A lot of people spend a lot of time and money following them. I've known of people that spent money on top of money on top of money to go where this guy's singing. He'll be here this week and he'll be there that next week and here. And the people follow him everywhere. But the people that are following people of the world cannot help them. Now, I know I'm laboring on this a lot, but let me just say this. If we would have the same type of commitment, if I had the same type of love and commitment to Jesus that some of these people have for their so-called stars and their so-called heroes, where would we be today in the things of God? All of these people might be talented and gifted, but then I want them to get me to heaven. And when I'm trying to say Jesus is the only one worth following, Jesus is the only one that can save our soul, we know that, and Jesus is the only one uh, that can get us to heaven. Well, first things first. We know the author of the book of Matthew was indeed Matthew. Unlike the other disciples in many, many ways, the other disciples were rugged fishermen, most of them. But Matthew was a hated, despised tax collector. He was a man that was well hated uh, by the Jews uh, because he himself, being a Jew, basically took money from the Jewish people as a tax collector to put it into the pockets of the Romans of that day. And yet they looked upon the tax collectors as traitors, as people that you have taken the money that really is right for us to put in the pockets of the Roman people of that particular day. When you look at Matthew 9, 9 through 13, you learn that Matthew was in fact a Jewish tax collector, uh, a, a, a despised member of society. He was hated by the Romans as well because the Romans didn't like Jews whatsoever. The devout Jews avoided these people because they were dishonest in the way they made their money and they cheated people in getting the money as well. Again, the patriot and the nationalist Jew hated them with a double hatred because they had gone from being loyal to the Jew to betray them and their way of thinking uh, to the Romans of that day uh, by taking their money. So what I found interesting was this, that, that, that some people didn't like Matthew he was feared and therefore he had great power, but he left everything he had to follow Jesus. He left everything he had, power, prestige, cloud in the community, everything that he had, he left it to follow Jesus Christ. And yet he left it all, a man that he knew nothing about, but Jesus simply said, follow me. I'm grateful that I hear words of celebrities and movie stars and sports people and, and, and people listen to them for political uh, uh, direction and for spiritual direction and all that, but not a one of them can help. But when the powerful word of Jesus Christ speaks, remember the day he hollered at you or yelled at you or spoke to your heart, follow me? What was it like for you? What was it like that hour that you heard and felt the convicting presence of the Holy Spirit in your life? I've heard a lot of people say, come here or go there. I had a lot of people barking out commands to me and orders to me. And my boss would say, do this and do that. And I would do it because I respect it and want to keep my job. But, <clears throat> but when I heard that tender, sweet voice of the Holy Spirit, just as I am, I'll come to you. I will never forget I was under such strong conviction from the Holy Spirit. I had gone and started attending a little Assembly God Church. Well, it's a pretty good size Assembly God Church. And I went for all the wrong reasons, but I listened to the preacher preach. And the man preached like heaven was good and hell was bad and God was good and the devil was bad. And he preached like Jesus loved me and the world was out to get me. 
And I listened to his word. And the Holy Spirit took that word and took it to my heart. And I wanted to get saved so bad, but I know how. We were having an area-wide crusade, which meant in that day that uh, once a year they would have different denominations, churches would gather together at certain churches throughout a whole week. And maybe one night a Baptist preacher might preach at the Assembly of God and the Assembly of God might be preaching at the Presbyterian church the next night. It was just an area-wide revival that they come together to do once a year. And the monies that were received in the offering were used for benevolent needs throughout the year for the entire community. But it was one night, I think a Wednesday night, if memory serves me correctly, a little Advent preacher was preaching that night. I couldn't tell you the thing he said. But they started singing, Just as I am, without one plea. And the Holy Spirit, I broke and I wept and I cried and I shook. And I heard that voice. It wasn't audible. It wasn't follow me. But it was, come to me. And I never will forget, there was a Christian guy standing beside me I had befriended and I was too embarrassed to walk up there by myself to the altar. So I took my fist and I hit him in the chest to get his attention and said, would you walk up there with me? And apparently I hit him pretty hard because I was walking and he was back there grasping for breath. I hit him pretty hard. Didn't mean to do that, but it did. And I'm standing at that altar under great conviction. But I remembered the voice, follow me. I had been following the crowd. I had been following my friends. I had been following what... I felt I needed to do to find success in life. I had tried to make my own way and tried to make my own life. I tried to do things the right way, but it was always the wrong way. But when I found the one that I'd been searching for, or when the one found me that he'd been searching for, Jesus, that hole in my heart was plugged, that void in my life was filled, that emptiness in my spirit was satisfied. Why? Because the creation found the creator. The lost soul found the living Lord. And the living Lord found the one that he loved, the lost sheep. My life that day changed dramatically. I could not explain to anyone what happened, but I knew something had happened. It took me several moments to accept the Lord. It took me three prayers to accept it. It took me several days to really accept my salvation. But the very night I got saved, one of my friends that I had just met, basically, he's a little older than me, we went to the top of a mountain, and he was trying to give me some follow-up on what I needed to do to, to live a Christian life, how I needed to read my Bible, and how I needed to pray. And we're up on the side of that mountain, parked on the wrong side of the road, and here comes the first cop, one of the, probably the second cop I've ever seen in my life on that mountain, and he pulls over, what are y'all doing? And my friend, he's uh, shy as he can be. We're praying. He wasn't shy at all. He gets his flashlight out. And he looks in the car for beer and alcohol and drugs. What are y'all doing? He said, we're praying. Who are you praying to? God. He looks in her eyes with a flashlight. What are y'all doing? And my friend Mike said, sir, this young man just gave his heart and life to the Lord Jesus Christ as his personal Savior, and we're just up here on this mountain giving praise to God. He said, well, I have to believe you because there ain't nobody can make up a story like that. And he went on his way. But what I'm saying, my whole life changed. Did yours change like that? I pray it was such an experience that now I didn't want to follow my friends. I tried to. After I got saved, I continued to try to do some of the things I had done before I got saved. Nothing they were sinful. 
but they weren't right, playing cards, gambling, whatever. And I went the first night and said, I, I, I'm going home. What for? I'm going to read my Bible. I, I was listening to another voice. I'm following the one that changed my life. And what I'm trying to say is when we hear that clarion call, and the thing that scares me is there's so many voices in the world today that's trying to drown the voice that changed our life. There's so many things in this world that's trying to mutter the voice of the only one that can change our lives. His name is Jesus. And when Jesus said, follow me, Matthew left it all and he followed the footsteps of Jesus Christ to the chagrin of his friends, to the chagrin of many of his employees and employers. He left it all. And when you and I put our hand in the hand of that barefoot preacher of Galilee, we leave everything to gain everything that he has. And we cannot say hello to something new until we say goodbye to something old. And the thing of it is, what we're holding on to, the voices that we're listening to, the popularity of this day, the people that we admire, our heroes, our idols, they may be good, but good is always the enemy to God's best. And God has never asked me to walk away from something unless something better always came. And God has never asked me to lay something down unless he wanted me to pick up something much better. But it's all in listening to the voice. And yet, church, we need to keep a keen sensitivity to the voice of God. That's why it's so important to study the word of God. Because this is primarily the way that God speaks to us today is through the word of God. And yet there are many voices that tell people today, do this and do that. And if we don't know this book, we'll do this and do that, which will break the heart of God. But we, we have our experience based upon the word. We don't base the word upon our experience. So follow me means a lot. Now, I caveat to the story. When I was in high school, well, all of my, all of my elementary, middle school and high school, I was a football player. My senior year, I was a tri-captain of the football team. I wanted to go to Virginia Tech, play center and linebacker and impress Don Shula and get drafted to the Miami Dolphins. There was one problem. I'm 140 pounds, five foot, six inches tall. I was a big old boy. Nobody wanted that. So I said, I can't play football in college. I don't even want to go to college, which I didn't at that point. So I went back to football games, just local high school football games. I went to the first Friday night football game and I didn't feel very comfortable. I went back to the second Friday night football game and I thought, I don't know if I need to be here or not. I don't like this language and all this. And the third night I went back, the Lord said, don't go to another one. I went, but God, it's football. Don't go to another one. I listened to the voice. He said, well, you're crazy. That's legalistic. No, it's not. Football was my God before I met God. Are you with me? And for me, had I continued to go down that line, it may have been the very thing that could have pulled me back into the beggary elements of this world. But what I did is I said, I won't go back to the football game. And I never did. Why did I say that? I was listening to a voice, but there's another voice trying to drown out the voice of God and another voice trying to justifiably say, it's okay to continue football. There's nothing sinful about a football game. But for me, it was my God. Now, I can go to a football game now. It don't bother me at all. You know why? Because I know whose I am. 
There's no tug for that. I could care less about watching one if it, if it went to it. You follow what I'm saying? But it's the fact of listening to the voice. There's so many things trying to drown out the voice of God. Do you think Matthew heard the clarion call without who is this, what is this? And the thing I like about following the Lord, he doesn't tell us where this journey, we know where it's going to end, but he don't tell us the path that we're going to take to get to the end. And that's why I say serving God, it's not boring. It shouldn't be monotonous because every day is a brand new day that God has something in store for us. If we listen to that voice, he will lead us and guide us in ways he's never led or guided us before. And every day can be great. Now, every day God don't speak to my heart. Does he you? I don't know. He don't speak more every day. Maybe I don't let him. I don't know. But I do know that when he speaks, sometimes there is such a voice of God that's so strong that listening to it and obeying it can be as life-changing as not listening to it and disobeying it. You follow me? There have been times that God has spoken so clearly so specifically that obeying that voice of God in my heart altered my life and that of my family forever in this world. And had we not listened to that voice and obeyed that voice or justifiably shut that voice away, I would not be what I am today or where I am today. You say, that's not a big deal. It is to me because of the voice of God. Of all the things in my Christian life that I have longed for the most, I think, for anything else, besides wanting to do the best behind the pulpit to preach the word of God truthfully, is I want to know the voice of God. Just to know his voice and then be able to follow it. That brings great satisfaction because when I stand before the Lord by the grace of God, I want to hear him say, well done. You listened well. You obeyed well. You followed me well. That's what I want to hear. Knowing that voice of God. With that being said, Matthew left it all. Who are you following tonight? Are we following church tradition? Are we following Christian culture? Are we following the politics of the hour? Are we following uh, the trends of the day? Are we following what Americans are supposed to follow? Or are we listening to the heartbeat of somebody else? Are we listening to the heartbeat of the Heavenly Father? Because He's going to lead us contrary to this world. He's going to lead us contrary to popularity. He's going to lead us to things that are contrary to what's popular within this present world. He said we're to be a peculiar people. Not peculiar in that we're odd or stupid, but I don't think we're supposed to look like the world, act like the world, dress like the world, or think like the world. And when we have the mind of God following Him, that to me is the most important thing. Let's look at the page from Matthew and look at some followers you may not heard about. In the fourth chapter, there are some of these brothers, Simon and Andrew, two other brothers, James and John, sons of Zebedee. They all left their work to follow Jesus. But how did they follow this preacher? How did they really follow this barefooted preacher from Galilee? Well, first of all, they were available. And we must be available. That to me is very important. To know Jesus Christ, we've got to study his word. We've got to be in his presence. We've got to know his heart and we've got to know his mind. May I make a bold statement and it's subjective statement. But I am fearful today that there are many professing Christians that do not really know the God whom they claim to serve. 
That is scary to me. I shared this last week. I heard some of the ladies in the church sent me an article, two different ladies, so I read it or listened to it. And if I remember correctly, it's been about five or 10 years ago, there was a prominent preacher that stood in his pulpit, held up his Bible, and said, I'm sick and tired of living my life in the four corners of this book. It's time for a, new, a newer testament that's more loving and more inclusive. And people, an ovation in the congregation. Well, that sounds wonderful. But does that not contradict this? Yes, it does. And I'm fearful that there's a generation of people today that name the name of Jesus Christ, name the name of Christianity, who themselves do not adhere to the voice of God. And the way to listen to the voice of God is to read it. Jesus was the living word that walked upon the earth. This is the written word that's revealed to our hearts so that we know how to walk upon this earth. I'm at the place, and, and, and again, you can disagree with this statement, but I am at the place, and I heard this the other day, and it just confirmed in my soul. I'm having difficulty calling people Christians, and I'm not judging. We can be fruit inspectors. You understand that. Matthew 7, thou shalt not judge lest thou be judged. 7-1. But we can be fruit inspectors. What bothers me today is when you've got professing Christians Oh, I love Jesus on Sunday at church. But Monday through Saturday, their lifestyles are 180 degrees opposite of what this book teaches. Many living in adultery, fornication, support and perform abortions on demand. Now, Pastor, you're getting political. No, I'm not. Politics has invaded the book. It's not that the church has just all of a sudden got political on these moral issues. No, politics has got involved in morality. And when you've got professing Christians that are doing things and living things that are contrary to this book, according to what Paul says, you shouldn't have fellowship with these people. Now, if an unbeliever believes in abortion and an unbeliever is in fornication and adultery, I can fellowship with that guy to try to win him because he don't know any better. But there's something about those that should know better that are living that lie. They have been deceived or they have been, as the Bible says, believe strong delusions to believe a lie in order to be damned. And people that continue to give a deaf ear to this book over and over are hardening themselves to the only voice that can help them and God will turn them over to strong delusions where they will be deceived and damned forever. So what I'm saying, church, we can't be politically correct and please him. We can't be American culture correct and always please him. Now, I know that's not popular, and I know there might be some don't agree. That's fine. You don't have to agree with me. But I will tell you this. If I err, I want to err on the side of caution and on the side of being right with God than popular, popular things with this world. Amen. The disciples... The fishermen, those rugged men, Matthew the tax collector, they left it all and they followed him. And notice this, the closer you and I get to the Lord, the more we realize how important he is and how less important that we are. When the apostle Paul, about eight, nine years before he died, he wrote about how 
he was the chief among sinners. Then later on, about three years before he died, he talked about he was the least among all of the apostles. And then one year before he died, he talked like, I am nothing, but he's everything. The longer that Paul listened to the voice of the Lord and the longer that Paul obeyed the Lord, the bigger God got and the smaller he got. But today, what happens? We see many people that know the Lord, supposedly, and are Christians. It's almost like they're exalting themselves and building themselves up each and every year. They're up here and God's down there. Listen to me. No, it needs to be the other way around. I hope I'm making sense. We need to follow him, not just in theory and not just with lip service, but follow him in word, deeds, and action. Again, learning from the sons of Zebedee, Peter, James, and John, and Andrew, and even Matthew, we must be available. Listen, uh, listen to the word of God. Now, a lot of people go to church on Sunday morning and listen to the word, but we allow that word to apply to our lives. A lot of people have been dunked in the water baptismal tank, but they come out and walk different within this world. Have we forsaken all? Or do we follow and give some excuse for having not done it? Let me tell you something. Our service to God is not dependent on our ability, but our service to God is dependent upon our availability. Are we available? Matthew was available. He was busy working. Follow me. Now he's available for the Lord. Peter, James, and John had a fishing business. Apparently a lucrative fishing business. They were all partners. Lay your nets down. You no longer fish for fish. You're now fishers of men. How would you like to go home and tell Miss Peter that night? Hey, honey, I quit my job following this preacher. What? How would you like to be Matthew if he was married? Hey, Miss Matthew, guess what? Uh, I quit my job today. I'm following this man called Jesus. You're a nut. People will call us nuts. <laughs> but I'm sure they will. Understand, availability. David was no match for Goliath, but he was available. Deborah was just a judge, but it was her influence that helped to find and kill the enemy, not Barak the soldier. Moses couldn't talk well, had a speech impediment. I mean, he would get his tongue around his eye tooth and couldn't see what he was saying, if you know what I'm trying to say. He was not an eloquent speaker, but yet he led a nation to freedom. It's our availability, friends, that counts. I've heard it all my life. God does not need your abilities. He needs your availability. And if we will avail ourselves to him, it will be his ability that will work through us. And that's one of the things I appreciate about, about the Lord. It's amazing to me, he doesn't always call us according to what we can do. He calls us to let us do what he wants us to do. I never had the ability to do anything I ever thought God asked me to do. But as I put myself at his disposal, I can't get over what he's done. If we wait on our abilities to catch up with the call, we may never do nothing. But if we will listen to the voice, if we'll obey the voice and be available, you'll be amazed at what God will do through you. It happened for anybody and everybody in the word of God that followed him. There's a quote that says, don't just be able, be available. Be present to make a change. Are you aware of that? You can be a change agent. Yeah. I've struggled a lot with my life and with my mom and dad's passing. I've learned a lot of things that I really didn't know about my life. 
about who I am and who I'm not. Won't get into that tonight. But with that being said, God used this little country boy that had no self-esteem and no self-worth to lead his dad to the Lord, to lead a grandmother to the Lord, to lead a sister to the Lord, to lead a brother-in-law to the Lord. That's being a change agent. And no matter where you came from, no matter what kind of life you've lived, it doesn't matter what kind of job you have had or have now, if you will make yourself available to God every day and you will listen to the voice of the one that you were really sold out to following, you will be appalled and amazed and even mesmerized by the changes that God can wrought through you. We often see ourselves as nobodies. May I remind you again that on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came down on the day of Pentecost, there was only a few people in that room that we know by name. Out of 120, only a few people we know by name. Peter was there. The disciples were there. Mary was there, his mother of Jesus. Uh, maybe Lazarus might have been, uh, been there. Maybe Mary and Martha might have been. I don't know. But so many of the people in that crowd were unknown unnamed people we don't know them but yet the Holy Spirit came upon them and God sent them out into a harvest field that they might be change agents and even though we may not know their names we know they changed the world and I made up my mind a long time ago my name's not going to be in the bright lights of Broadway don't want it I never want to preach a district council or a general council in the assemblies of God don't need it but if God can help me brighten the corner of my world where I'm at today, if God can use me to encourage somebody in the faith today, if God can use me to change somebody's heart for the better today, it's worth it. And when you stand before God, it's going to be the hearts and the books are going to be open and we're going to see exactly what God did for us and what God did through us simply because we listened to the voice of the Lord and we followed him because we were available. Again, God needs your availability. Secondly, we learn that we need to be teachable. We must learn the Word of God, not just to be hearers of that Word, but doers of that Word. When the Word of God changes us. Now, a change is a word I don't like to use in church because people resist change, but we love improvement. So you rarely hear me say in church, we need to change this or we need to change that. No, we need to improve this. It's the same old girl, just different dress on, Okay. But we need to be, if you will, teachable. The Word of God will improve us. The Word of God will change us. It'll be your strength. It'll be your shield. It'll be your light to your path. It'll bring comfort when you're hurting. It'll bring peace in the midst of your storm. It'll bring hope in hopeless situations. It'll give you direction where you don't know where to go. It'll be the answer to the condemnation of the devil killing you every day in and day out. And how many times have I gone to God in prayer not knowing what to do and a word will hit me from here. Wow. One day I never will forget it's been years ago. We were in such a dilemma in the church. I mean it was attacks were coming like you would not believe and I was on my face in my living room in my house while my wife was at work. I was bawling. I mean tears and forgive me snot was going in which way and I'm saying God what do we do? I cannot change this. And just stopped and waited before him. And he gave me a verse out of the Old Testament just like that. And I went, wow, 
This is not my battle anymore. It's yours. I'm going to sit back now and praise you and watch you get her done. And he did. He did. He changed it. You know why? Because I listened to the word. And because I listened to the word, I applied that word to my life and God got the glory for it. Now, it, the word of God will illuminate your mind. It's not just enough to go to Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Thank God for it. But if that's all we're getting from the word of God, we're not getting enough. Are you with me? We must eat every day of God's word. I think sometimes we, we kill ourselves into thinking, well, I've got to work my way to God. I've got to read three chapters today. And we catch ourselves speed reading. One of the reasons I don't like to read the Bible through in a year, I'm a slow reader because I like to digest when I'm reading. And if I read a Bible through in a year, for me, I find myself reading for the sake of reading. I like to take the Word of God. And some days if I just read a chapter and I can absorb that chapter and listen and obey, I feel like I'm okay. To me, it's not how much I read. It's what changes me of that which I read. You with me? So everybody has to work out their own salvation with fear and trembling. The good news is, every time we pick up this book with our eyes and ears open, it's fresh. It's fresh manna every day. It's not stale. And if we go to it, I've read that a hundred times. I'm just going to read it. I'm just going to quote it because I know it. We're wasting our time in many ways. Take the time to pray. Say, Lord... As the Holy Spirit moved upon holy men of old to give this word, may the same Holy Spirit move upon me to understand it. Let this be fresh manna today. Let this be new to me today. Show me something I've never seen about you today. And I believe if you go with an open heart like that, we will. You can read the Bible again and again and again and listen to pastors and preachers teaching the same scripture, and you can always come away with brand new, fresh knowledge of something you did not know before. And when I'm saying this, let me say this if I may. I have gone to church in the past where somebody said, oh, so-and-so's teaching Sunday school. I'm not going to go to this class today. I don't like him. Oh, the pastor's not preaching today. He's pre I'm not going to go. I don't like him. Pre if your heart's open, if a donkey's prophesying, you can learn something. Amen. Are you hearing me? It don't matter who's bringing the word. If your heart's open, God can use a donkey. He can use anybody behind the pulpit or in the classroom. Now, we all have our favorites. Remember years ago, there's a bunch of preachers at a preacher's convention and they'd gathered around and about three of them were talking and said, who's your favorite preacher? Oh, I like R.W. Shambach. You don't have any problems. All you need is faith in God. He said, oh, I love him. No, I said, well, he's all right. He said, but I surely like that Jimmy Swaggart. He said, he's just an old guy and I liked him pretty good. And another talking about how he liked another preacher and an old fat preacher standing there saying, who do you like? He said, you ain't told us. He said, well, fellas, I don't know about you, but when the anointing gets on me, I just about soon hear me as anybody. And yet there are times we all have our favorite preachers. But the truth of the matter is, God can use anybody if we'll open our hearts to listen to his word. Well, let me hurry tonight. We need to be teachable. Then we need to be flexible. Available, teachable, and then flexible. Some of us are set in our own way and we're unmovable. But as a child of God, we've got to be flexible. Because there may be times that God will call us away from something that we're doing that we're liking to do something he wants us to do that may crucify the flesh. Um, I'm a little bit selfish on Friday nights. It's the only night of the week I turn my telephone off. 
most of the time. Because I like to sleep in on Saturday morning past 7 o'clock if I can. It's the only day to sleep in. But other nights throughout the week, I may get a call at 3 o'clock in the morning from the Polk County Sheriff's Department. Chaplain Davis, can you come out to thus and so up on North End, blah, 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 blah. There's been a homicide. Well, everything in me says, nope, don't want to answer the phone. Everything in me says, nope, can't do it. But somebody needs you. And I signed up for it. Got to be flexible. I just soon stay at bedside assembly and listen to old brother Pillar preach a message on resting in God. But you got to be flexible to do what the Lord has asked of you to do. You may, not, you may have your whole week planned out, but God has other plans for you. You cannot stay stuck in the rut or stubbornly glued to your plans and expectations because you're not careful. You'll be stuck in the mud. You'll not be flexible in what God wants. And I have found out that so many times God loves to stir the pot in our life. We can get in our rut. You know what a rut is? It's a grave with both ends kicked out of it. And it's so easy in Christianity to get in that rut. But if we'll be open to the Lord, he will cause flexibility to, be, to, to take place in our life to where we're doing things that we never thought about doing before. Once again, be flexible. If you're, if you're caught up on a Sunday morning, hey, we need your help in the nursery. Would you mind helping? Be flexible. I'm not going to sign you up forever. Just be flexible. On a Wednesday night, when the workers didn't come to Rangers, hey, can you be flexible and just sit there as another body in the room for the night? I, 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 I think sometimes, Brother Charlie, can you come up and lead prayer right now? He flexible. He'll come. I did one guy one time said, don't ever do me like that again. It takes me a week to know I get ready to pray behind the pulpit. Flexible. Be flexible. When it comes to following Jesus, be ready to go the extra mile because there's somewhere in that journey he's got a blessing for you as well. And then he said, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you. Finally, be dependable. Be dependable. Let the Lord know, yes, God, you called me a long time ago. I have been following you all these many, many years. I'm not set in my ways, God. I may be old, I may be older, I may not have the ability I one time had, I may not have the cognitive ability, I may not have the strength, but God, you can count on me. You can count on me. Being dependable. I'll take care of it, I won't forget. Be commended, committed and dependable. God depends upon your hands, upon your feet, upon your mouth, upon your abilities tonight. To lift, we need to encourage each other, lift each other up, pray together, praise the Lord together, and be prosperous together. Whatever position you serve in the house of God, be dependable. Whether you're an usher at the door, greeter at the door, safety team, song director, piano player, whatever it is that you do, be dependable. Let God know that you're there. Don't let him down. You ever have an idea of letting God down? How hurt would that be? Letting God down. Anybody ever let you down in life? Let's do this. Be honest. Anybody in this room never been let down by somebody? Have you ever let somebody down? Sure you have. You're human. Did you mean to? Hope not. You've been let down by a lot of people in life. It can hurt. What does God feel when we let him down? When I stop to think about the investment that God has placed in me. Think about the investment that God has placed in you. I don't see nothing. Well, look at his son for one thing. Look at the vicarious death he died, the pain he endured, the shame, the suffering. You name it. That's an investment in you. 
God has a direct investment in you with skin and blood, sweat and tears in the game. I don't want to let him down. Have I before? Absolutely. There have been times God's asked me to go pastor a church in an area right through town and say, God, I don't like this place. But you know what, God? If you want to send me here, that's where I'll go. You can count on me, Lord. Matthew was all of these things. He was available. He was teachable. He was flexible. And he was dependable. In closing, let me get this out of the way. <laughs> Matthew left it all and we should, be leaving, we should be willing to leave it all to follow Christ. Nothing should separate us from the love of God. Nothing should separate us from him. Step out in faith and be available to God. And if you'll be available, and if you'll listen to his voice, I never dreamed he could do that for me. Do you think that any movie star ever thought they was going to become a movie star when they were a child? Maybe they dreamed of it. Did you think that Billy Graham ever thought he'd become Billy Graham? Do you ever think that Joe Biden ever thought he'd become Joe Biden the president? Did you ever think that some of these football stars when they were kids thought, I'm going to be this? What do you think God sees in us by way of potential? Lord, let me see the potential in me that you see in me. Jesus himself was available for us. He left the comfort of heaven. He left a sinless, perfection, perfect world Streets of gold, walls of jasper, and gates of pearl. He left the glory of heaven, the phenomenal fellowship with the Father. He left every bit of that because he was dependable. He left to become a sacrifice for our sins, available for you, available for me, available for the world. He took the flesh, slipped into a body of a virgin. He was flexible, and he was willing to come and do everything. We might be ready for heaven. For another reason, I owe him. <laughs> I hate to say it, but for another reason, I owe him. I need to be loyal to him. I need to love him, but I just need to be loyal to him because he's been so loyal to me. Jesus walked this earth doing only good while he was hated, loved while he was despised, gave and others took, ridiculed, he continued to love. He endured the shame, despised the cross, and died for you and me. And because of his example, because of his sacrifice, because of his love, we'll be with him forever and ever and ever. <laughs>